0: Hey, is anyone grateful to be alive this morning? I mean, the gift of life, grateful to have breath in our lungs as we continue through our study through the book of Philippians. So glad that you are joining and listening with us as uh, we've been on this journey. And today is the final chapter. We head into the final chapter of the book. Uh, the four chapters of the book of Philippians. We started off this journey and the first two chapters calling it The Colors of Joy because we see joy laced all throughout this book, 18 times to be exact. And then in chapters three and four, we've entitled it Greatest Hits because there's so many quotable notables all throughout the book of Philippians that we can hold on to portions of scripture that are portable for us to carry into our lives that, that just kind of are sticky sayings for us. And so when we think about greatest hits, when we think about songs that are just great that have been passed down through time, there's some songs, whether we like it or not, that just stick. Like, for maybe for you, like you can help me out here. Like, uh, celebrate good times. right? Or, sweet Caroline. Or, uh, just a city boy. Born and raised in Or, what about this one? Because I'm the miggity, 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 miggity Mac. i am make you wanna. Maybe that was just a sticky one for me. A little crisscross will make you jump, jump. There are so many songs that are just the greatest hits that have stood the test of time. But now there's a specific song that was brought to my attention, brought to my mind. And that's going back all the way to the early 1800s. When we think about Beethoven and how Beethoven worked on his last symphony, it was his last symphony, and it's known, famously known as the 9th, when he performed it in on May 7th in the Vienna in 1824. And there's so many unique things that we can talk about this piece. One of those is that in the final section of the 9th, uh, he added for the first time as a major composer, adding a vocalist, a singing vocalist, soloist in his in the final moment. So What I want to do is I just kind of want to immerse ourselves in in this greatest symphony that maybe people say, that many people say is the greatest of all time. Let's just kind of sit in it and kind of reflect on this orchestra masterpiece. that is the section famously known in that symphony called the Ode to Joy. The Ode to Joy, the anthem of peace. And for some of us, right, that's familiar. Okay, I've heard that before. That For some of you know, that's the national anthem of Europe. Or maybe you remember hearing it in the movie Sister Act. Or for some of you diehard fans, you'll hear that, that anthem, that anthem of peace being played in that movie. And, you know, maybe it stood the test of time because it was a song about peace, The words of that song is all about peace. It's a cry for universal brotherhood and sisterhood to stand up against war and that desperation, the anthem of peace. And again, maybe that's why it stood the test of time, because it's about peace. And let's be honest, who doesn't want peace? I mean, you don't often hear people just saying, man, I just love having marital conflict. I just love when there's chaos and fighting between me and my kids or me and my parents. Like, I just love that. I love having financial chaos in my life. You know, I love turning on the news and hearing about Russia wanting to invade Ukraine. Just give me some more of that. Right? I mean, like, no, we, we, there's this deep longing, right, in all of us where we long... For peace, We long for peace. And today we bring peace up because today we're going to look at this portion of Scripture that has been a portable portion for me that I've just richly just grabbed onto for my life. And many of you maybe have as well, or if you haven't, I hope that you'll grab onto this rich portion of Scripture and that'll be a portable, kind of quotable, notable for you to hang on to. A greatest hits for your life. And that's this right here that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. It says this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that will guard our hearts and our minds. I don't know about you, but yes, please. Give me a triple, quadruple dose of this peace. I want that type of peace in my life. And maybe today, if you're honest, you don't feel peace. You feel troubled. You feel chaotic. Relationally, physically, financially, ethically, you know, maybe there's an addiction you're, you're just like that overwhelms you. I don't know, but but you're struggling with that. Or maybe today you do feel at peace. And so what we're gonna see today in this portion of scripture is we're gonna get tips from Paul of how to get access to this peace, how to have this peace, or how to maintain this peace. So wherever you're at on the spectrum today, that's our goal. So before we dive in, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Father. I just ask that you would help us to uh, be alert to what you want to share with us today from your amazing, amazing scriptures. We love you. Please control my pace and and, and just uh, my energy and my words of all the things that you've uh, uh, put inside me to share uh, from you today. I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so wherever you're watching, I want to encourage you to open up a copy Of God's word. Now, listen. uh, I get it. We live in a technological world, but there is nothing like I'm telling you. There is nothing like having your own physical copy to literally open up and outline and mark up, so then it will mark you up as well in your life. It's just so. It just it's to kind of wrap your mind around it and. Uh, And maybe you're like, well, I I don't know which one to get. And so I just wanted to let you know that I normally am teaching through the ESV, the English Standard Version. Uh, That's what I'm teaching from and studying from. But I tell you, when I wake up early in the morning, uh, this is the one that I use. It's the New Living Translation that's just you know, an easier read for me to kind of comprehend as I'm kind of groggy in the morning, waking up. So New Living Translation is a great read as well. So just want to encourage you, if you don't have a physical copy, I dare you, get one, order one, have one that you can start tearing into for yourself. Now remember, it's so important, as we read through Philippians, we have to remember the context. Paul is writing this letter while he's chained up to a guard 24 hours a day. So, just imagine that. It'd be like your phone being a guard, a prison guard that you're chained to 24 hours a day. And that's his context in which he is writing. So, let's kick off Philippians chapter four. Uh, We'll start in verse one. It goes like this It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and crown stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. We got to just stop here for a moment. and, And what we're seeing is the pastoral just love and passion that Paul has for the church, for the church of Philippi, the people there. He's longing for them. He hasn't seen them in most likely 10 years since the church was started. And it's showing just how he's expressing that love towards them, reminding us how important it is for us to express our love towards others. Because sometimes we keep that to ourselves. And just a little side note, fellas, Valentine's Day. Listen, it's okay to do that then, but the girls know that we're kind of forced to show that love. It's a lot better to show them, you know, beyond Valentine's Day. You get a lot better uh, uh, return on your investment, if you know what I mean. Just a little pro tip uh, for all you guys dating out there. And so it continues. It says this I entreat Eodia and I entreat. Sintichi, there's many different ways to try to pronounce that, but we're just gonna go with Sintichi today, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Uh-oh. Anyone, anyone see it? Anyone see it? We don't got a little, we don't got peace stirring up in this section of scripture right now. We've got a little frustration. We've got a little chaos that's been brewing within the church uh, between Iodia and Sintichi and there's some kind of disagreement. We don't know what it is, but it must have been some type of disagreement that if it came all the way from Philippi into Paul's prison, and then from Paul's prison, that it actually lands on the pages of history in Philippi. We don't know much about these two ladies. And most likely they were leaders in the church. But how crazy is it that they could not humble themselves to get over their feud, to get over this quarrel, and it was affecting chaos and peace within the church And now this is what they're remembered for forever. Which makes us pause and ask ourselves the question, what do we want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? Is there a quarrel or a disagreement that you have allowed to just constantly fester? Do you want to be remembered for that? Do you want that to just just swirl in your life and when you leave this earth someday... And maybe you're saying well you don't know the situation. You're right. I don't know the situation. But the question is as Paul reminds us is have you made every effort for peace? Have you been willing to humble yourself in the situation? Because look at you're the one who has to sleep at night. When an orchestra performs, it's unbelievable, right? When you think about an orchestra and the unbelievable harmony that is put together within the orchestra, but we have to remember that just because there's so much harmony, there's a lot of different players and a lot of different instruments and a lot of different personalities. And a lot of times they all not, aren't in necessarily unity. Uh, I mean, the way that they view in other people. A lot of times the percussionist can be known as you know, hard of hearing or the string players can be known as just too soft or too weak or the brass players are just so stinking loud. And a lot of times there can be this tension but what is it that makes them all come into harmony? It's that they all submit to their conductor. They're all willing to submit what they think, what their view is, to what the conductor thinks, to what the conductor's view is. And that's the same thing that Paul is reminding us here, that we need to submit ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ to our conductor, to our Lord Jesus Christ. It's where he says, I agree in the Lord. I'm going to settle my disagreements. I'm going to take my social opinion and lay it on the ground floor, on spiritual ground. No matter what their blind spot is or no matter what my blind spot is that I can't see, but when both parties are willing to humble themselves and look through God's perspective, what happens? Harmony arises to the surface. This week, um, I had a disagreement with with a brother who the way that he handled the situation, and it was frustrating me, and I needed to call him out on it. And he wasn't happy that I called him out on it. And uh, he was resisting me calling him out on the truth that I felt that I needed to share with him. And the more that he resisted, guess what? The louder my tone got, the more he resisted, then the bolder my tone got as we continue to disagree with what we thought our perspective was on the situation. And so I hung up the call, and I know as he hung up the call, we both felt frustrated. We were festering, and both of us felt hurt by the entire situation. And then that night, I, <laughs> I went home and I opened up this passage right here. And when it said "agree in the Lord," it talks about you know settling your disagreement. God drew me to my knees, and I tried to ask. I asked God to show me my blind spots and. And I sought forgiveness for my bold in in, in you know uh, tone that I was bringing to my brother and then I prayed for my brother and tried to see where I was wrong in the situation and then sure enough, the next morning he texts me seeking forgiveness for his resistance towards my truth to him and then as we talked and we discussed um, we were able to be reunified and have harmony why because we were submitting to our conductor we were submitting to the ways of our conductor which reminds me how in this next section of scripture where it says rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice let your reasonableness be known mate let your reasonableness be known to everyone that the lord is at hand that the lord is at near there is no way on earth that 24 hours later that me and my brother were going to actually reconcile it was only because he got on his knees and i got on my knees that we were able to be reunified because we were able to see things through our conductor's perspective And I love reasonableness. That word reasonableness is this word right here in Greek, a p-e-k-a-s-s, a p-e-k-a-s-s, which literally has the meaning of to, to be willing to yield, to be able to shine out, to show off a strength of gentleness. And I watched my brother humble himself. I was literally blown away how he humbled himself, willing to lay down his perspective, lay down his pride and see God's perspective And what we were dealing with. Check this out. Your perspective. If it's all about your perspective and disagreements. Pride will arise. But when you lay down the Lord's perspective. Peace will arise. Every time. Every time. Your perspective. Pride will arise. Frustration. But when you seek the Lord's perspective. Peace will arise for you. When you do it. And maybe sometimes the peace will actually come within the relationship. You want to have peace. Fight to settle your disagreements. It continues, verse six gives us some more tips. Then he says this do not be anxious about anything. I don't know if he got that right. I mean, did he really get that right about anything, Paul? I mean, we we got to worry about our kids, right? I mean, we got to worry about our health. We got to worry about terrorist attacks. We've got to worry about if we got enough money in the bank. I mean, he can't mean anything, right? But no, he says, "Do not be anxious about anything." Anxiety—it's a weird thing, isn't it? How it can mess with our heads. The word anxiety literally means to tear and to divide our mind. There have been so many studies shown that Americans are some of the most anxious people in all the world, and it's growing rapidly amongst our young people. Anxiety disorders are actually now higher than depression disorders. It's amazing, right, how anxiety can control us. Most of what we worry about, what we're anxious about, is often just a fearful mind punishing us with our exaggerations. And what does Paul tell us to do here? He says, stop it. He's literally commanding you and me to stop being anxious, And if you're like, okay, well, whatever, Paul. Well, Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. I mean, he literally gives the analogy, stop and look at the birds of the air. Are they worrying about it? Am I taking care of them? You don't think I'm going to take care of you if I'm taking care of the birds of the air? Stop worrying. He's literally calling us all to resign. Resign from what? Resign from the control and let him control it. And so he says, He gives a solution. Don't be anxious about everything. But what does he say? But in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is something that doesn't even make sense. It's like, how is it even happening? How am I even having this peace in this situation? What will it do? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the solution from anxious thoughts to have peace what does he say? Prayer. Thanks, Travis. That's all you got for me? I got nothing for you. I never have anything for you. This is what God has for us. He says, you want your anxiety to be pushed away? You want your anxious thoughts to go to peaceful thoughts? What do you got to do? You've got to sandwich prayer right in the middle of it to make you go from anxious thoughts to peaceful thoughts you got to have a sandwich of prayer right in the middle. Turn your worry into worship is the line I always like to say. We pivot our energy, our anxious thoughts into prayer, casting our cares upon him, shifting our posture on our knees. So when the anxious thoughts come, we have to get to our knees. But let's be honest. Come on. This is the last place we like to go to is to get on our knees. We start running around everywhere else talking to everyone else about the situation that this can be the last resort. And then once we get here on our knees, we're so exhausted that we start just listing the list and then it just we get frustrated that it's not working. We have to slow down and not hurry. Like the song says, not hurry our prayers. We need to live in it. We need to remember the Lord's prayer that, that, that when we go to our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we need to remember who we're talking to, our creator, our provider, the promises that he has for us. Brag on him. Sit in his presence. Don't rush it. And then bring our supplication, those requests, with a thankful heart, begging God to give us wisdom and discernment. And when we do, Paul reminds us that peace Will come. You want to have peace? Get on your knees. Are you anxious today? Are you feeling just tangled up and divided in your mind today? Get on your knees. Stay there. And don't rush it. Don't rush it. And when we do, it says that the peace of God will come. Now notice that it says the peace of God. It doesn't say peace with God. There's a big difference. We have to understand the difference. We can have the peace of God, which is like a feeling that we feel. But peace with God is peace with God when it comes to our salvation. Because if you didn't know that all of us, before we give our lives to Jesus, are literally at war with God because of our sin and how it separates us from God. But because he sent his one and only son, Jesus died and rose again for us, now, if we put our faith and trust in him to cover our sin, now we're at peace with God. You can't have peace of God until you have peace with God. It won't work. So you have to make sure that you literally allow Christ to be your savior and then you can make him your Lord. I love how Skip Heitzig says it. Jesus as savior brings peace with God. Jesus as Lord brings peace of God. I'll say that again. Jesus as Savior brings peace with God, but Jesus as Lord brings peace of God. So you want to have peace? Get on your knees. Remember who's writing this Paul. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. He's on trial. Is he going to be killed? He doesn't know his future. He's been snake bit. He's been shipwrecked. He's gone through a lot. And he's saying, Don't be anxious pray. Don't let your troubles overwhelm you. Overwhelm your troubles with prayer. That's what came into my mind this week. Don't let your troubles overwhelm you. Overwhelm your troubles with your prayer. Reminding me of one of the greatest hymns, one of the greatest hits, greatest hymns of all time. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to god in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer. We want to have peace. We got to get on our knees. It continues. Another tip from Paul. He says, finally, let me kind of tie up the loose ends for you, brothers. He says, I want you to think about these things. What things? I want you to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And when we think about these things, it's the reverse, because whatever is commendable, what is it? It's lovely, and whatever is lovely is pure, and whatever is just is honorable, and whatever is honorable is true. Paul's saying, he's saying, look at when life brings you curveballs, the unexpected Things that you didn't sign up for. Look at my own life, he's saying. The enemy is going to attack. And when he does, you need to discipline the thoughts in your mind to maintain peace. And we've talked a lot about this as a church. The war in our minds. We did a whole series, the war in our minds. says that we have an estimated of 70,000 thoughts that are racing through our minds a day. And those thoughts can be good or those thoughts can be bad. But when we think about things constantly, then it allows us to consider things, to believe things, to then move us into action, whether good or bad. And Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, that we have to take those thoughts captive and then make them obedient to Christ. You don't have peace today? You want to have peace today? Here's a question. What are you putting in your mind? Evaluate your content is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it true? In other words, for a moment, I need you to think about what you think about. Think about what you think about. I mean, because let's be real, how much garbage is literally at our fingertips to be filling and infiltrating our minds? I mean, okay, Let me, I, just, I wrote some things. i How much are you scrolling on social, on TikTok, on reels, on Instagram, Is that literally helping your mind? Or what are the last 50 to 100 searches that you're searching on the Internet? Are those things true? Are those pure? Are those honorable? I mean, speaking of greatest hits about music, what are you listening to? What are you filling into your mind? Is it filthy language? Is it filled with sexual innuendos? I mean, like, what are you listening to? All you gamers out there, how much violence are you putting in your brain all the time? If you're watching the news all the time, like how much are you going down the rabbit hole? Especially in our world today, there's some pretty dark stuff in there that can make you pretty anxious. I'm not saying you shouldn't stay informed, but how much are you overloading yourself? That can take your peace away. Especially right when you don't know what's true. When you fill your mind on the things of God, the peace of God will be with you. He is the anchor of truth. He is truth. So if you want peace in your mind, every day and every night, fill it with this. Fill it with this. Don't end your day or start your day starting off with cable news or Xbox or Netflix or Facebook. And maybe it's just a verse. Start it with this and end it with this. And when you do that, the more that you fill it with God's truth, the peace of God will come into your life. Lastly, verse, he says this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, I want you to practice these things. That word practice is to to persevere, to go after, to accomplish, to live it out. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you, will cover you, will overwhelm you, It's been a journey for Paul. The church of Philippi has seen and heard about his whole life, all of his ups and downs. And just like we learned in the previous chapter that in order to press on, don't give up. Don't let your setbacks of relational tension or anxious thoughts or persecution or sin or addiction or physical health or those thorns in your flesh Steal your peace. Full circle. So we started off listening to Beethoven, right? And as we listened to Beethoven's famous ninth symphony, remember, it was focused on peace. But one of the most amazing things about him putting that symphony together is that we learn in history that Beethoven's perseverance to carry on in spite of his circumstances, was unbelievable. Because the story goes that as he was creating this piece, he began to lose his hearing. And by the time he performed it in Vienna, he was pretty much deaf. So he wasn't hearing this. likely he was hearing it like this and the story goes that he was so consumed and so into it that the orchestra had finished and he was up there just with passion just continually conducting it so many measures behind and someone had to go and turn him around and just say hey Look, and he turned around to a standing ovation, which then turned into five standing ovations. Nothing has ever been stunned like that since. He was so immersed, his soul and his mind into the art of that arrangement, his piece of art, and that he wasn't gonna allow his limitations and his setback of going deaf keep him from being immersed, to finish the song with excellence. Which reminds me that no matter what setbacks we face, if we would be people that would be so immersed in our soul and in our minds on the things of God, no matter the setbacks, that will give us the perseverance to finish our song of life well to the end. Let's recap. How do we have peace? We have peace. Paul gives us tips. Settle your disagreements. What do you wanna be known for? Make every effort to have peace. Show off, I dare you, the strength of gentleness in whatever disagreement that you're facing today. When was the last time you got on your knees? with what you're anxious about. Get on your knees and stay there. Don't hurry it, don't rush it. And then think about what you think about. Evaluate the content. What garbage do you need to get out of your mind and replace it with solid truth? That's, my friends, how we get more of the peace of God in our lives. But you can't have the peace of God unless you have peace with God. Are you at peace with God for your eternity, for your life? Remember, without Jesus, we are at war with God because of our sin. It has damned us, it has doomed us, it has separated us from God. He made a way because he loved you and me so much. That's why he sent Jesus here. That's why he died on a cross. That's why he rose again, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we would no longer be at war with God. And the scriptures say that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that we will be saved and that we will now be at peace with God. But if you don't have Jesus, then you'll never have that peace. And so if you realize today, that you're not at peace with God and you wanna be at peace with God so that you can have the peace of God in your life, it's simply through your faith and belief in Jesus. And you can receive him as your savior today. And once you receive him as your savior, then you can make him your king and you can make him your Lord and give him control. So wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, just bow your head and close your eyes and just say, Father, I am done being at war with you. I confess my sin to you. Thank you for paying the penalty of my sin, for dying for me, for rising again for me. Right now, I surrender my life to you and I receive you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. I want peace. I want peace with you. As we continue to pray, if you made that decision, to have peace with God, if you truly meant that the scriptures say that you will no longer perish, but you will have everlasting life. Father, thank you so much for the peace that we can have in you. What a gift. Oh God, thank you for that peace. We're so, so grateful. Give us the strength to do what we need to do to continually have and be filled with your peace that can only come from you, that surpasses all understanding. We love you and we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Well, listen, if you made a decision to to have peace with God in your life, we want to celebrate with you. We don't want you to walk alone. So please text the word "Miles City" to the number on the screen and we want to answer questions you have and help you on your journey to move towards God.